Today, Catherine and I are going to talk about being comfortable in the uncomfortable. I don't hear you, Catherine. I'm going to stop recording. Today you are here with Sky Becker Yamakawa and Catherine Moore. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sky. So tell me, what have you been up to? Let's see. This week we're just getting our print stuff back for the upcoming Mockingbird Lane Market. And so getting all that back, we're signing prints, we're packaging prints, we're labeling prints, we're labeling bags. <laughs> we got a whole production line going. That's going to be my life for the next week, week and a half. So <laughs> not a lot of actually doing painting or anything, packaging everything that we've created. Right, right. That takes time. Yeah, it does. It does. It's a lot. Fortunately, it's not part of the uh, creating process. Of <laughs> no, the job. it's part. Yeah, it's like full on production line. Yeah, we got our clear bags, we got our backing, we got <laughs> everything ready to go. Yeah. How about you? What are you doing this week? I had to get some new brushes, and I found out sort of the hard way that depending on the manufacturer, if you get like a size too bright, it's not the same depending on the brand. The sizes differ, like jeans, right? Right, right. I've noticed that. It's like sometimes if you get a number eight, it's like not the same across different manufacturers. No, it, it isn't. And I've noticed that because I was getting some cheaper brushes just to kind of get me through. I noticed that the cheaper brushes now, the bristles are much longer. Oh. Yeah, it's really what the bristles are significantly longer than the other brushes that might be like Trakel. Uh-huh. And I was like, God, I don't know if I can use these. So I ended up ordering Trakel brushes and I was like, yay, the sizes are right <laughs> and the brush these are correct. <laughs> yeah, the bristles are the right length. <laughs> you said they were a bright? Is that what you said? Yeah, it's that. Okay. It's the flat. So there they should be shorters. Yeah, like the the shorter. It was more like a a long flat. The other brushes they were I was ordering and I would order them in sets because I knew that the sizes were all different. They were like so wonky. I was like, well, what? I like I can use it, but I, I can't use it for what I really want to use it for. Right. So yeah, I just broke down. I got the trickel and now I'm like using just one. I'm like, I don't want to use the rest, right? Like <laughs> I know save it's like, them. Keep keep them as pretty as long as possible. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It never, it doesn't last long though. I know. While they're lasting, it's nice. Good. <laughs> okay. Well, we will be right back to talk about being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Hello and welcome back. Today, Catherine and I are going to talk about being comfortable in the uncomfortable. First, I figured we would define what is comfortable. So according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, they gave three different examples. One was affording or enjoying contentment and security, a comfortable income. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a good joke for an artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, 
<laughs> yeah. So we're already uncomfortable with that. Right. One. We're like, oh, okay, define. Yeah. <laughs> define a comfortable income. Right. So, and the next definition was free from vexation or doubt. The lamb was comfortable in his ignorance. I kind of feel as artists, we're constantly doubting. Oh, yeah. We're, we all doubt ourselves, right? I mean, that's that's like the thing. And then the whole imposter syndrome, which could be like a total new episode. But right. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, I can't do it. I can't paint. Right. Right. Yeah, it's totally. That like, is this going to be accepted? Are people going to like this? What, am I painting for people? Or am I painting for myself? It's right. Right. Conundrum in itself. <laughs> exactly. We literally put our emotions on our sleeve and wear it on the outside for everyone to judge us. It's a, it's a great existence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then the third example of comfort was free from stress or tension, staying a comfortable distance from the crowd. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Yeah. No stress at all in this job. Right. None. This is yeah. stress-free zone. So yeah, the whole the whole job is uncomfortable. My husband could tell you. He's like, sometimes I wish your studio was farther away when you're in there yelling. Oh, no. <laughs> if I'm really stressed about something and something's not turning out right, I will have many temper tantrums. Like, oh, oh, my God. I'm so glad our son's older, just screaming obscenities from the studio. Yeah, it gets bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, but it's that's good. Let's off steam. It's like, just don't come near me. I guess it's better <laughs> than crying. I don't know. In the fetal position in the corner. Right, right. <laughs> Rocking back and forth. I think we're talking about having comfortable income. I think it depends upon where you are in your career as an artist, what you're doing as an artist, and where you live. <laughs> That's another good one. Yeah, as well. Because uh, Bay Area artists, uh, a lot of us struggle, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, part of it is as a fine artist, we're basically consultants. You're always looking for that next gig or where's that next? How are you going to get paid next? And I think with comfort and security financially, you would have to have a paid job as an artist. Mm -hmm. That would probably give you some security. I've talked to other artists and myself included that had a secondary job. Mm -hmm. And it depends upon how you work. Some people, if you have the hustle and you can get out there and you can do it and you're comfortable with the level of stress of not knowing if you're going to have the next paycheck or how much it's going to be and all of that, there's a lot of artists that I know do it. They just do it their art full time and they build up their following and they do it and they're making it and good for them. Right. When I'm creating, I don't like the extra added pressure of, oh my God, if this doesn't sell, I can't do this. Or I literally can't eat if this doesn't sell or whatever. And I've talked to other artists where they had the daytime job or a part-time job or some, some other sort of supplemental income where they can just focus on their art and not be super stressed about it. And that's a debate that that's a hot topic. And artists who do each have very strong opinions. They do. Yeah. About right. Why they do what they do and why mm -hmm. it's better or why it isn't. I know. So we defined what comfort is. Mm -hmm. So number two is why should we embrace the uncomfortableness? <laughs> yes. As an artist, <laughs> the uncomfortable artist life. And according to behavioralscientist.org, we found that when people sought to feel uncomfortable, they reported growing emotionally, developing skills, and ultimately they were more interested in 
Repeating the task in the future, seeking discomfort is, has also helped people open themselves to new information. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And multiple sites claim that you find growth in discomfort. I, I think that's probably true depending on how uncomfortable you are. <laughs> right. I definitely agree that you would find growth in the discomfort. I'm fascinated by that they people were more interested in repeating the task. I would think if you're uncomfortable, that's something you'd want to avoid. Although I can't tell you how uncomfortable I am with many situations that I end up repeating. So maybe that's true. No, I think that's a perfect example of you wanting to repeat the task, especially as artists. I'll have it where I try to paint something new and it turns out, oh, but I can do better, right? So you right. want to repeat it and do it again. And then you're like, no, but I can do it even better if I did it. I learned something. So exactly. yeah, definitely. Yeah, we definitely want to be, we definitely repeat tasks as artists. For oh sure. yeah. You have to, you have to constantly do your repetitive tasks. And I think that that's what makes you grow as an artist for sure. Right. If you're just giving up after one or two times, then maybe being an artist is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> you you right. got to keep working at it. But yeah. Right, right. It's uncomfortable, for example, for a lot of artists to put themselves out there and mm -hmm. apply to a show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then they get turned down and it was really uncomfortable and you got turned down. That sucks. Right. <laughs> okay. But you got to keep trying, right? It was, you got to keep trying because you never know. You might get into a show. You might get into a gallery. So that's that's one of those, it's really uncomfortable and it's hard, but if you want it. When I was probably a few years into showing at galleries, I was doing Modern Eden, I was doing Cactus Gallery, I was doing a gallery in Germany, a gallery in Australia, I was working with a gallery in Louisiana. So I was doing all the stuff. The gallery I really wanted to get into was Gallery 1988 because they had the coolest shows. They had all these pop culture shows and I was just like, oh, I just really want to do that. It wasn't anything... I have to do this gallery to boost my career. It's just, I wanted to do their shows and that was it. And I had friends that were in there and it took me three years to get into that gallery <laughs> and it drove me nuts. I applied one year, I think it was in January. I just said, okay, I'm going to apply. And then I didn't hear from them. So the next January I applied again, I didn't hear from them. <laughs> then the following January, I remember they're kind of quirky and fun and everything. So I sent them an email. I said, well, here I am again, hoping third time's a charm. <laughs> I sent them like new images, updated art and everything. And nine months later, I got a call back from him saying that I was in. <laughs> so, wow, nine months was, is a long time. They have so many people that apply. The other thing too, is that they put out their calls or their shows. They give their list to artists of these are the shows we have coming up for the whole year. So I already know what shows I'm doing all through the end of 2023 with them. Not every gallery, in fact, they're the only gallery I've worked with that puts out their shows that far in advance. Yeah, I've heard other artists have shared that they apply to different galleries and it seems to be sort of a trend I'm hearing. People are applying to galleries and the third time is the charm. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it's a coincidence or if galleries are like, think it is this artist really serious? We'll see if they try again. Okay. So number three, we did the, what is comfortable, why we should embrace it as artists and how can we use being uncomfortable in our favor? So there was advice on the internet and one of them was to start small and build from there. So start 
feeling uncomfortable in small doses. <laughs> right. Don't tap it all at once. Don't, don't, you don't, don't, yeah. don't go into the, the uncomfortable zone. You <laughs> don't run too fast. Or right. Too far. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Like maybe they mean like, I don't know, do small pieces at a time. Don't apply it to 20 galleries at once. <laughs> I don't know. The more you practice, the more you learn. Yeah. I would agree that we kind of covered that. Absolutely. Take it slow. Recognize fear. I guess that was something probably could have looked up to see what the difference is between fear and uncomfortableness. <laughs> right. Because so I'll recognize fear is like you are talking to someone with an anxiety disorder. <laughs> <laughs> They're two different things. They're two different things. Yeah. Also, what do you mean recognize fear? Well, I think there's Fear can be a motivator in some sense. I got to get this done. The deadline's approaching. I mean, there's kind of a little bit of fear there. <laughs> like, right. Or you want to do a good job so you can make sure you, you can keep working with the gallery or you want to do some really good painting so you can get into a gallery or something. I think there's, there's, there's a little fear behind that, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say that's not uncomfortableness. If you're trying to do like a really good job for a, uh, painting that you're doing for a new gallery you're working with, for right. example. And another advice was to seek guidance in a book, mentorship, or study others who have gone before you. I'd say that's really good. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's very yeah. good advice. So that covers the being comfortable and the uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be right back with Art News. Hello and welcome back. Now we have our art news segment in which we will be talking about a hidden self-portrait that was discovered beneath a Van Gogh painting. So did you hear about this, Catherine? I did. I did. I saw, I, I actually saw the picture of it too, which was really cool. Right. That's just fascinating. Do you do that? Do you paint over any of your old artwork? I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I would start a painting and I would be like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> this sucks. I'm painting over it. And I, right. would, yeah, I would gesso over it and start from scratch. Occasionally, if I have a painting, you know, that, that I'll start, I'll get like really inspired and start three or four paintings at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then other things will come up and I might complete one or two of those paintings. Right. And then time will pass and I go back to those paintings which I had started and maybe the same inspiration isn't there any longer so I might paint over it and do a new painting cool that does happen occasionally I try not to do that right I mean I have paintings from me being just out of school I mean I have they're just sitting and I was, I'm always like start thinking maybe I should just reuse some of those supports you know just gesso over them and paint on them and then there's a part of me that's but I can look back and see like how I've grown since then so it's kind of a weird thing but it was really cool seeing that yeah so there's a hidden self-portrait that was discovered beneath a Van Gogh painting x-rays conducted on a Vincent Van Gogh painting have revealed a previously unknown self-portrait hidden on the back according to the BBC report. Hmm. The experts at the National Gallery of Scotland scanned the work ahead of an upcoming exhibit and on the back of an early work of Head of a Peasant Woman from 1884, the conservators noticed a profile of a bearded man wearing a brooped hat and neckerchief beneath the layers of glue and cardboard. Even though only the left side of his face is visible, the sitter maintains an intense, inescapable gaze. So he had a painting on the back of the painting. He put, or whoever framed it, 
put the layers of glue and the cardboard on the back of the canvas and right. framed it. Yeah. So that was kind of cool because I guess in the same article I saw that, and I've heard of that before with Rembrandt and in the same article, they're talking about Modigliani. There was a bunch of paintings and there was other paintings he had done hidden underneath paintings, but this painting was actually on the back of right this way. So it was like, there's, it's a twofer, right? <laughs> so yeah. So I guess the question that I have is like, was that intentional? Did he, you know, intentionally put that back there on the back of this painting? Or knowing Van Gogh and that he didn't really sell artwork while he was alive, <laughs> you right. know, that he just didn't have enough material. And so he's like, oh, I got this. I did this study back here. I'll just flip it over and maybe, right. That, I, that, like, that's what I, that's, those are the questions I have. Like, I want to know if it was like meant to be back there or something. I don't know. The weird thing is. I don't know what painting supplies were like back in the mm -hmm. 1800s. Right, exactly. Can't but, go down to the old Blick supplies. Right. <laughs> but today, when you have a canvas, mm -hmm. typically you gesso one side of it. Right. Buy it already gessoed. I don't know if they uh -huh. did that for you back then. Right. Uh, so it's kind of odd that he would have a piece of canvas that was gessoed on both sides. Yeah, that's true. So that was the other weird part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even know what the what you're bringing up. The speculation here is, huh? I don't know. I have two different thoughts. I have a feeling that he probably did the portrait, and maybe he didn't realize that there was a painting on that side, and he was inspired and in the moment, and he grabbed the canvas and just started painting. This is what I'm I'm guessing, and I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> um, he just grabbed it and started to do a self portrait. And they'd probably realized partway through that there was already a painting on it and abandoned all, it. Oh, well, might as well keep going. Then. <laughs> well, he probably like, oh, crap, there's a painting on here. So I'll go, oh, man. Abandon it. Right. Abandon right, it. right. Right. I don't know. Or he gessoed both sides, which seems kind of odd. Right. Or he didn't gesso his canvases, which can't seem possible because the paint would leak through. Yeah, you would think. Or it would be, it would, it would, wouldn't it destroy it? I'm see now, now I have like questions. It's like, right, right. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that, that brings up a whole other debate. Where's our art historian? Right, to right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So either the canvas was gessoed on both sides, which I don't know if you could do. Mm -hmm. If the canvas would be suitable to paint on, if it was gessoed on both sides, I guess would be the. Right. Well, why wouldn't it be? Let's talk about that. Wait, why? why? <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, why wouldn't it be though? Well, I would, would think it be too it, rigid. That's what I would think that if you had a canvas that was just on both sides and it dried and it was older, that if oh, it just okay. got yeah. bent a little, it would probably crack, crack. and right. come apart. I would think you want some flexibility on one side of the canvas to uh, allow some give. Let's say he had the side gessoed in which he did the portrait. So he had mm -hmm. a complete painting and then he started this self-portrait on this piece of canvas and he it wouldn't have leaked through and it wouldn't have been gessoed because the other side already had a painting on it right i guess the question is was the self-portrait in oils maybe the self-portrait was in did he did they have oil pastels back then i i would i'm not they would have wouldn't they i would think so 
I don't know, because he could have done a self-portrait on it. You could do an oil pastel on a, an untreated canvas and you don't use any turpentine or anything to make it wet and it's not going to leak through. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they, they need an art historian in on this one. Yeah, it's like, oh, where's my art historian and art conservators? Right. Not us, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, we just have questions. No answers right. for anyone. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to come back, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that concludes the story. So as Van Gogh once said, I dream my painting and I paint my dream. So where can we find you, Catherine, online? You can find me at tncanvas.com. That's my website. And you can find me on social media also at tncanvas. And I'm at skiesart.com or skiesartshop with S-K-Y-E spelling on Instagram. And you can find Off the East Solo podcast on Instagram as well. So thank you for listening and stay safe and happy Happy creating. creating.